You're listening to a sermon on the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Hang around after the sermon for more information about Mission Ridge Church. Sermon notes for this message or any of our other messages can be found through our website, missionridge.church. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoy the message. We are in our final week of the You've Heard It Said series, and uh, I honestly think this has been my favorite series that we've that we've gone through. I don't know if it's meant as much to you as it has to me, but it, it has. It's meant a lot to me. And I've I've said at times that uh, Logan and I we love planning the next series and jumping into the next series. Uh, I almost want to just go back and do this series again, but we won't. Uh, is just so much, so much that we could talk about in what Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount. We have this chiasm that we uh, introduced you to last week. There we go. Yeah, uh, we got this chiasm. And I just want you to know that that uh, these these six messages, we, we broke this message up in the, in the six parts. There's parts and pieces that connect to each other within the chiasm. Uh, it's, a, it's a literary tool. It's a teaching tool. Uh, we use slides today to help you connect to what we're talking about. They use structure within the message so that later on you could, you could wrestle as a group through, through what did Jesus say. And uh, we've got these five elements of the chiasm that we've looked at so far. We're going to add one more piece. But what I want you to think about is, as I'm as, as I'm reading the text and as we're talking through this this morning, think back to week one and think back to the things that we said at the first things first sermon. Remember, because this is going to connect to that piece. That's, that's the A of the chiasm and we're going to add in the last A of the chiasm. So think back to week one, the things that we talked about, how, how does this connect for you? So jumping into uh, Matthew 7, Jesus says this, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. That word narrow, uh, maybe a better translation would be uh, confined or restricted or... uh, with complication or with struggle. Beware of the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. There's a reality that within the church world, there are those who are feeding themselves. They're feeding themselves and they're to be avoided. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree that bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit, nor can a bad fruit produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So then you'll know them by their fruits. 
This makes me think of Ezekiel 34, where the Lord calls out the shepherds and he says, woe to you shepherds of Israel who have been feeding themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. I think of that pastor that uh, a number of years ago said, I need an airplane. The Lord told me, he said, that I need an airplane. I don't know if he's come to a destructive end, but I suspect that he will. I would say that he is a ravenous wolf. You'll know them by the fruit, Jesus said. And he goes on to say, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father who's in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house. And yet it did not fall for it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and it fell and great was its fall. When Jesus had finished these words, the crowds were amazed at his teaching for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. So that's it. That's the end of the sermon. That's the conclusion. Jesus is, Jesus is done. Unfortunately for you, I am not. I have more to say. Uh, that's all right. It's all right, Scotty. Uh, let me say this about how we, how, um, Matthew finishes this up that, that uh, Jesus had, uh, the crowds were amazed at his teachings and, and that he was teaching with authority. It's, it's all of our experiences that the teachers that, that get up here and, and, and sit in front of us or stand in front of us and, and share the gospel with us, they all depend, depend on someone else's authority. You've heard Logan and I talk about Marty Solomon. Marty Solomon will talk about Ray Vanderlaan. But Logan and I looked more than just Marty and Ray. There's a number of theologians, there's a number of uh, brilliant thinkers that we, that we look to. And, and we'll say, man, Marty said X, Y, and Z, therefore we should do this with our lives. Jesus never had to do that. He was his own authority. Everything that Jesus says is authoritative. And it was shocking to hear it the first time. Sometimes when you've heard it a bazillion times, like many of us in the room, we kind of lose sight of that awe. And maybe we should recapture that awe. I want to map out what we see here though, because if we zoom out and look at this from the 50,000 foot view, we may see some things that, that stand out. So 
Uh, Jesus talks about the narrow gate and the wide gate. We should have a slide for that. There we go. We have the narrow gate and the wide gate. And the narrow gate uh, leads to life and the wide gate leads to destruction. And, and many people are, in fact, the majority of people, it sounds like, are just mindlessly going down this, this particular path. Probably because the narrow gate includes hardship, struggle, wrestle. That's, that's what those words, in fact, both the words uh, associated with that gate and the path, uh, when you connect them back to the Old Testament, you, you'll, you'll find them only in the prophets. And uh, they're, it's struggle, it's, it's strife, it's persecution, it's challenging. And we don't like those paths. <laughs> it's like climbing the M, like that's good to do once. But for me, not my daily routine, right? Not the path I want to take to get to the store. Uh, I think about the t- going to the gym and how many people want to park as close to the gym doors as possible. We like our struggle in short bursts. But when life brings a long, long-term struggle, man, we want to get off that path quickly. And then we have good fruit and bad fruit. That's what's next on the map. Those who bear good fruit, they're helpful. Those who bear bad fruit, not only are they not helpful, but they're bringing destruction. You reach out your hand instead of bring something that helps you, it causes you to bleed. We have those that when they say, Lord, Lord, they're entering the kingdom. And those who say, Lord, Lord, are not entering the kingdom. Jesus doesn't talk about the first group, and that should be another slide. Uh, Jesus doesn't talk a lot about, he, he implies that there are those who say, Lord, Lord, and they enter the kingdom. He doesn't spend a lot of time on them because he really wants the people that are actively doing kingdom work, people that make church happen, that they do set up, they, you know, whatever, whatever righteous acts, you know, go back to the, to the actors and the non-actors, the ones who are, who are doing what they're doing for God's applause or the ones that are doing what they're doing for the applause of the people around them. And then the next slide, uh, those who hear and act and those who hear and do not act. And when we, when we, dial back and we look at this from a 50,000 foot view and we see these four pieces as one picture. Maybe we get a better picture of what Jesus is trying to say, because how do you know you're entering the narrow gate? Because isn't that a great question? How do you know you're bearing good fruit? How do you know that when you say, Lord, Lord, that you're entering, entering the kingdom? How, how do you know that? And the answer seems to be when you hear the words of Jesus, 
you act. That is what differentiates. So everything that Jesus just been speaking to, to us as disciples, when he's on the Sermon on the Mount, we broke this up in the six messages, but you put them back together. Everything that Jesus just said, right? Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, those who are merciful. When someone asks you to go to one mile, you actually go two. You don't hate your neighbor, but you love your neighbor and you look to resolve conflict. You are trustworthy. You give to the poor. We have intimate conversations with God. He knows us and we know him. You invest in his kingdom. You own your mistakes. You own your problems. You own your sin. And then when you're done doing that, then you go and you help others. Once the log is out of your eye, And those who are seeking the kingdom, it doesn't matter what their past looked like. It doesn't matter how poor in spirit they were. It doesn't matter how dirty they got with with the unholy, with the swine. It doesn't matter what their past said. We're going to help them to connect to the the wisdom. Jesus says, Act on these things. Shape your lives. Build, build your life. Build this kingdom. This is how we build the kingdom. But build your life on these things. Build your life on these things. <clears throat> now I told you uh, when we. I told you when um, we first started back in week one, that Matthew is presenting Jesus as the new Moses, right? There's this Deuteronomy passage. The Lord, your God will raise up for you, for you a prophet like me, Moses said, from among you, from your countrymen, you shall listen to him. It's a, it's a new Moses, but it's a better Moses. It's not, it's not a Moses who's going to, stumble and fall, but one who will not stumble, not fall. And so we said that Jesus is this new Moses. And as Moses went up on the mountainside and received instruction from the Lord and then came down and and taught the people, Jesus takes his disciples up on the mountainside. He teaches them. He instructs them on how this new kingdom is going to live, how it's going to work. And, and they were to come off the mountain and they were to go and, and teach other people. Moses ends his Torah with this. See, I have set before you today, life and prosperity, death and adversity in that I command you to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and that the Lord your God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. But if your, hurt, if your heart turns away and you will not obey, but are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. You will not prolong your days in the land where you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess it. I call heaven and earth to witness 
against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. So choose the path of life. Choose life in order that you may live in your descendants by loving Lord your God, by obeying his voice and by holding fast to him for this is your life and the length of your days that you may live in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give to them. <clears throat> Moses presents a two ways genre that Jesus bookends his sermon with. So you got the Torah that Moses hands to the people and said, go live like this. This is the new kingdom that God is establishing through us. And he bookends that with this statement, this two ways, you can live this way and it won't go well for you, or you can live this way and it will go well for you. You could choose your own path and you'll die. You could choose God's path. You could love the Lord your God. You can obey his voice. You could hold fast to him and it will go well with you. There's this two-way genre that, that Jesus emulates. He models after Moses. And, and we got to pay attention to this. Jesus is using the same method and he's calling his disciples back to the original calling of the Israelites to choose life, to love your God, to obey his voice, to hold fast to him. He's calling all of us back to that. In fact, remember Logan talked about uh, Jesus saying that I did not come to eliminate the law, but to fulfill it. And to fulfill it means to rightly translate it and then, and then to rightly apply it. This is how we rightly translate, how we rightly apply. This is how we fulfill what Jesus has called us to by hearing and by obeying. And so we have this, this chiasm and this, this is the first five elements of the chiasm, right? If you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you'll be satisfied, become perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Like apply yourself to this. Don't practice. If don't practice your righteousness in order to receive a reward, but, but invest in the kingdom, invest in eternity, do the things that you do because your father in heaven will reward you. And then you got to treat people the way you want to be treated. Well, this week, Jesus says, build this kingdom and your life on my words. Build this kingdom and your life on my words. We can't build his kingdom any other way. It won't last. Remember our works will be tested someday and they'll either survive the fire or they will not survive the fire and they'll be consumed. We can't God's kingdom will not be established by ravenous wolves. It will not be established. Like, like they will come to him Someday and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? And that will be an ugly day 
for them. Uh, yeah, I saw a report, right? Well, I, actually, I saw a tweet. So I cannot verify the veracity of this statement. So I won't say all of it because I haven't, I won't give you all the details, but a ministry leader of a large ministry uh, makes 700K a year. Leading a ministry that is to minister to the poor. Uh, I could not do that. If they hired me tomorrow, I'd take a pay cut immediately. And that organization has a billion dollars in assets. Uh, where are you storing up your treasures? Like the, it just doesn't seem to match a sermon at all. It doesn't seem to match, not my sermon. I'm talking about the sermon, the words of Jesus. It does not match his heart at all. Come on. Really? You're going to stand there and act like you proclaim the word of God? that you represent Jesus Christ and you live like that as a church leader. That's disgusting. That's disgusting. Moses. Well, let me say this. We see Israel go move beyond this Deuteronomy passage that we just read, right? And we and you look at the Book of Judges, and you and you see this, you know, the sine wave almost of living on the right path, choosing the wrong path, living on the right path, choosing the wrong path. Like it's just, uh, and it's there as as a warning to us of what. Sometimes building your house on the rock and sometimes building your house on the sand, what that does. Like every other house that you live in, you're going to build it on the rock and then you can build it in the sand, building on the rock, building in the sand. Like the Israelites lived that out in front of us. I, I can't be too hard on the Israelites because my life kind of plays that out too. Like if you want to hear stories, I could tell you what, what times a building on the rock look like and what times a building on the sand look like. I didn't always obey. I did not always obey. I did not always act on the things that Jesus said. But here's my question for us as a church. Because we see Israel after Deuteronomy 30 go out and live. As a church, after hearing the Sermon on the Mount, what are we going to be known for? What will we be known for? Will people receive help when they come here? Or will, will they be harmed? When they think they've gra grabbed onto some fruit, will they find thistles instead? Will we be known for hearing and 
Acting. Will we be known for acting on the word of God? The words of Jesus. In the first week, I also said that Matthew's presenting Jesus as the new David. Uh, in 1 Samuel 22, 2, we're told that everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was disconnected gathered to David and he became captain over them. Now there are about 400 men with him. So in 1 Samuel 22, David has been anointed as king, but he's running from Saul. Saul still, still sits on the throne and, and David is calling those who were not part of the kingdom, the outcast, the distressed, those in debt, those dis, discontented, those that were deemed unworthy of the kingdom. He's inviting them in and, and Jesus is doing the same thing, right? Remember week one, we talked about who receives mercy? Those who give mercy. Who finds righteousness? Those who hunger and thirst for it. And, and so remember that the audience were the outcasts of the kingdom. The scribes and the Pharisees are like, This is, this is your, this is your, this is your crew, Jesus. This is, this is, you're, you're bringing kingdom through these guys, through these gals. How many times did someone say, if only he knew what this person was really like, he must not be a prophet because he doesn't understand this person's sin. If he understood their past, he wouldn't let him into their, his presence. And so again, the poor in spirit and the poor of the world are invited into this kingdom. And we are building a new kingdom. We're building a new kingdom. And just like those, those, 400 men, they had to learn tasks. Like they were, they would become the civic leaders of the new kingdom. They would become the, the bankers. They would become the legislators of the new kingdom. They would become the judges of the new kingdom. They would, they would help establish rule. The outcasts of this world will help us build this kingdom that Jesus is establishing here on earth. That's who he wants to call to himself. Remember last week, James chapter two, it's the, it's the poor of the earth who are receiving the inheritance, both spiritually and monetarily. But that doesn't change the fact that our righteousness needs to surpass that of the scribes and the Pharisees. How do we do that? by acting on the words that Jesus just spoke in the sermon. You and I continue to build this kingdom that Jesus starts on the mountainside. 
And these are the words that will help us to build that. These are the words that will shape what this kingdom looks like. Kingdom of mercy. A kingdom of forgiveness. A kingdom of people dealing with the logs in their own eyes and then helping others. Which is why the last words that Jesus spoke on earth matter so much. Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. Teaching, like they need to hear it. These are different words. The words of Jesus Christ, they're different. There's no other kingdom like this. Just ask USC and, and uh, UCLA. Just ask college football. Leaving the Pac-12 for a whole lot more money. Different kingdom. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We're called to teach people the words of Jesus. And we're going to have to figure out how to live them out and deal with the logs in our own eyes. Because there's still parts of this that I'm like, Ugh, not very good at that. But this is the calling of the church. To take these words that establish a new kingdom and help people live them out. Help people know that they're invited in. I don't care what your past says. I care what Jesus says. I don't care how poor you feel, how ashamed of you, you feel. Jesus invites you in. And he's with us as we're on the journey. So that when we're done, he won't say, I never knew you. I never knew you. Those are the scariest words in this whole sermon for me. Maybe, maybe the whole of scriptures. I'm going to do all that I can. Because this kingdom doesn't kick people out. People choose not to enter. People choose to reject it. I'm going to hang on to it for dear life. I hope you'll do that with me. Thanks for listening to the Mission Ridge Church Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and share if you enjoyed this message. Mission Ridge is a church focused on relational discipleship and located in Missoula, Montana. If you are in the Missoula area, we would love to have you come and join us for worship. Service times, location, and all kinds of other fun stuff can be found on our website, missionridge.church. You can connect with Mission Ridge Church through Facebook or Instagram. So give us a like or follow. 
If you would like to partner with us financially, you can give securely online at missionridge.church give. We'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks for tuning in.